Hi there, welcome to the Throw Room Podcast. My name is Taylor, I'm your host, and we are a podcast here simply for developing a deeper connection with God. Please stay tuned for episodes where we do interviews, where we do a devotion, where we may do a study, whatever it may be. So sit back, relax, enjoy today's episode, leave us a like and a follow on Instagram, and share us with your friends. Now to begin. Man, how many of you were here this morning? Man, saw the miraculous acts that uh, took place. I know that you could just hear the gasp across the congregation when he leaped off of the platform and landed on the motorcycle. It's like a superhero. Whoo! Next thing you'll see him jumping those what tall buildings in a single bound. Oh, he's already doing that. That's right. Mount Everest. Amen. Cornerstone, you are a great group of people. Amen. You know, it is awesome. I am so thankful to be a part of a great congregation of people that love God and leadership that, that's honest and open and upfront with you and don't mind telling you exactly what's going on and, and what's wrong. Not only with themselves, but when the Lord speaks it to you, to them, for you. Amen. I uh, got a little message together here. So, so do you know that you can actually be in the church, but not be in the church? Um, and you can actually spend an entire life in the church, but not really be in the church. The enemy of our soul wants so desperately for us to just stay in the same realm and not grow and not seek after God. We have, we have heard messages after messages over the last few weeks about getting into a relationship with God and wanting to know God for who He is. Many Christians are suffering from a problem of an apathetic attitude to God's priorities. And by their complacent attitude, some believers fall into a trap of selfish indifference to the passions of our God. There was a Danish philosopher that he uh, wrote this parable about a wild duck. And it's an excellent illustration of how our spirits can, de- can decline, our soul can decline from the very ideals and become satisfied with lower standards. This duck was flying with its mates, and uh, they were flying a springtime northward across Europe. And as he's flying, he looks down and he sees this barnyard full of ducks. And so he decides to go down and see what it's all about. And when he gets there, he notices, hey, there's some corn here to eat. There's some other ducks that I can kind of have, you know, conversation with. You know, quacking around the barnyard, you know, all that fun stuff, flapping their wings and having a good old time. And so being there, an hour went by. And soon a day went by, and then two days went by, and then a month, and then a year. 
And then all of a sudden he hears a familiar sound up in the sky, and he recognizes that it's his buddies that he was flying with over a year ago. And so he decided, you know what, I want to go back up there. So he started flapping those wings and flapping those wings. And for some reason, he got, can only get about the height of the barn. And then he would fall back down. And then he quickly realized, I've, I've ate a lot of corn. I haven't flapped my wings. I haven't stretched my muscles in some time. And so it's going to prevent me from getting to my friends. So he decided, you know what? There's some good eats here. I get corn every day. I got friends to talk to, people to be around. And so every spring, as they would come by, as he sat in that barnyard, something familiar would stir in his heart. And he would look to the skies, and he would say, I used to do that. I want to do that. But I can't. But I want to talk to you today. Um, the title of my sermon, I struggled with it, but it's, it's, it's fine because the Lord, Lord helped me. Is the uh, tragedy of complacency. What happens to us so many times in, in our Christian life is that you know as well as I do, is we start to go through our life and we start doing things and it becomes repetition to you and you do it over and over and over and over, then it doesn't seem as, as, as real or as fresh to you. Complacency defined as a feeling of being satisfied with how things are and not wanting to try to make them better. Or a complacent feeling or condition Self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of the actual dangers or deficiencies that are right in front of you. And an instance of unusual or unaware or uninformed self-satisfaction. It's a dangerous place to be in. And I can tell you this, and the reason why I'm talking to you, I'm talking from my heart tonight, because I spent some time there. I know exactly how you feel. Our text is in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. It's a few verses, so you don't have to stand. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us. And you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they were ready. They weren't ready. They were that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. 
But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. So watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. I see here in these scriptures a very prime example of being there, but not really being there and being prepared. You must be vigilant in our relationship with God. We cannot survive on someone else's oil. And so many times in our relationship with God, and we, we rely on someone else to, to say the prayer, or we rely on someone else to reach the loss, or we rely on someone else to speak into the situation. But you need your own oil because there's going to come a time when you're going to hear the cry in the midnight hour. And you're going to need to arise and address the situation. And you're not going to be able to because you are not really there. You're not prepared. We have to be vigilant in our relationship with God. We cannot survive on someone else's oil. In Revelation 3, verse 15, he says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither could cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Do you understand what he's saying here? He's saying, I want you to be either hot or cold, but I don't like the lukewarmness because you're not prepared. You can't effectively operate in a lukewarm spirit or a lukewarm state. Neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of gold and tried in fire that thou mayest be rich in white, white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of the nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve so that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in, thy, in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set with my father in the house, in his house. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You see, in these verses, we, we learn right here that God is perfectly aware of where you are right now as you sit in this service tonight. He knows exactly where your spirit is and where your heart is and where your mind is. He knows exactly what you did today or yesterday or the day before. He knows exactly where you're headed. And he stands and he knocks at your door. But you are so satisfied with where you are at because either it be hurt uh, or, or whatever it is that's come into your life, you're satisfied with what you get when you come. And you don't want to advance any further. We learn there that he knows what state we are in. He says, I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. He knows that we've become so comfortable with our life that we aren't even aware of the very dangers that are before us. 
You know, the sin slowly creeps in in our lives as we sit comfortably in His presence of the service where God is moving and He's, you've been praying, you ask Him, say, God, help me with this or help me with that. When you get in His presence, you sit in there and you look and say, yes, that was another pretty song. Yes, that was another great message. But then when you walk out the door, you turn around and you go right back to being in the same complacent state. You stand there and you don't answer the door when He knocks on your heart. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to everyone. Complacency will rob you of everything that God has promised you because you will turn and walk away from Him before you will answer Him and receive the blessing that He has for you. In Proverbs, we see wisdom. Proverbs 1 and 20 says, Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief places of the concourse and the openings of the gates in the city. She uttereth her words saying, How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and the fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make you known my words unto you because I have called and you have refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But you have set at naught all my counsel and with none of my reproof. And then one, verse 26, it says, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when, you fear, when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call unto me, but I will not answer. They, will, they shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they that hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. Verse 32 says, For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Verse 33, But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear or evil. We see here in a stern warning that says, hey, I'm, I'm asking, I'm talking to you, I'm trying to instruct you, I'm trying to lead you. I've got the pastor preaching the word of God to you, trying to instruct you on a direction to go and what you need for your life, but you're refusing to hear my reproof or my correction. You refuse to hear. You're so complacent and so full of life that you don't want to answer. A strong warning, God is calling you. He is knocking at your heart's door and He wants you. He wants you to sit with Him. He wants you to, to be with Him. He wants you to spend time with Him. Verse 32, we see that the turning away will destroy you. And then we see that hope only He can give. In verse 33, that says when we see that hope that only he can give. He says, if you will listen to me, you can dwell with me in safety. In 1 Corinthians 10, verses 6 through 11, he's, now these things were for our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as we are some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. 
Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one of the days, three and 20,000. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples or in samples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are to come. You see, privilege is like a free country, a godly heritage, a good family, a great church. Don't guarantee that spiritual blessings like grace and mercy and favor and eternal life, it doesn't guarantee it. But if we grow lazy and in our, in our, become complacent in our faith, in, a, in our relationship with God, then sin can slowly creep up inside of us. And the dangers are there, but we're not even really aware of it because we're here, but we're really not here. And before we know it, we find ourselves years down the road looking, saying, how did I get here? What happened? Why am I here? Why did this happen to me? And you go back to these scriptures here where he said, I tried to speak to you. I tried to talk to you. I tried to work through the man of God. I tried to speak to you through other things, but you didn't listen. You refused to hear my call. You continued in your complacency. You thought one service a week would be good enough. You thought reading your Bible once a month would be enough. You thought maybe fasting once a year would be good enough. But if you're in a relationship with someone, God, you're going to spend time with him each and every day. It is required. You have to. You cannot survive in this world without reaching for God. You can't make it another day. You wake up in the morning. You may not wake up in the morning. He gives you the very breath to breathe. He gives you the means to buy the food that you eat. That's why Pastor Boone could sit up here this morning and talk about being sacrificial and giving to God because you, whatever you give to him, he's going to give back to you. But you have to give it to him. You don't want to get to where you're stuck and looking down a path and saying, what? how did I get here? Don't get me wrong. I'm glad that you come to church. But only you really know the true intent in your heart? Are you coming to church to make yourself feel better? Or are you coming to church because I love God and I want to be with God's people and I want to, I want to reach for Him. I want, I want to hear a word from Him. I want to hear what God has. I want to see people that come to an altar that are sick in their body and I want to see those bodies healed. I want to be a part of that. But you can't do that sitting in a complacent state where you never never even consult with God, but you just continue to walk and continue to talk and you continue to do your mundane daily things that you do. And you even forget about God until Wednesday rolls around about 6 o'clock and it says, oh, uh, we got church at 7 o'clock. We must be completely careful about complacency. Paul specifically tells us why he's referring to these old stories to warn us. Look again at verse 6. It says, Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. These things are referring to the consequences received for rebellion and disobedience and sin. Paul addressed the people of the time with these words so they wouldn't do the same things as his ancestors and stuff and suffer the same consequences that they did. In real time, trying to warn those that he was ministering to that they needed, that they are to be examples to us as well. 
These words are not just a warning, but Paul reminds us these words are for our instruction. It's for those of us on the side of the cross, on this side of the cross, on whom the end of the ages has come. This means if you, you've ever thought that the Old Testament was passe or didn't really matter, then you need to reevaluate that. You need to think again. These events recorded were explicitly written that we might not desire evil. Spiritual blessings can rain down upon us and those around us. And that's how Paul frames his thought that sin wouldn't be ignored. It wasn't then and it won't be ignored now. Take heed from the warning and learn from the example. Spiritual privileges don't guarantee spiritual blessings. Be careful of becoming complacent, but blessings from God are special privileges now, but they don't guarantee blessings later. I'm so thankful that we have pastors in this church, Pastor Moore and Pastor Boone, that will stand in a pulpit and preach, and they reach for you because they love you. I've seen them cry tears over some of you and the situations that are going on in your life. Wanting to know how to help. Wanting to know what to say. Wanting to know what to do. You know what I said earlier? I know where you are because I've been there. I tell you, when we came here three and a half years ago, we pretty much just dropped everything. We needed a change. Twelve years ago, I met this man right here. I'm so thankful. God had been talking to me in my life for some time, and I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening to the voice of God. I was so complacent. I was so happy just being where I was at. God had to shake the very foundation that I was on to get my attention, to say, hey, I have something that I need you to do. It was a very dark, dark time for me. But I met Philip Moore. I don't know if you ever really even know how much you've helped me. Sister Moore is not here, but when, the first time that I got to meet him, and we, he, we got invited over to their house. You know, when you're bitter and you're angry and you're upset, you know, and you can just ramble and ramble and ramble, and for hours and into the wee early morning hours, we sat in his living room and with love and kindness directed me. It was a very, very dark time, but I am thankful for a man that listens to God and is there for you. John 10, verses 7 through 18, this explains why we have the shepherd. He said, then said Jesus unto them again, verily, verily, I say unto you, this is Jesus talking, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, but he that is a hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not. Seeth the wolf coming, and he runs away. 
Cornerstone, I want you to be thankful for pastors that stand in a gap, that don't run when you come to them with your issues and problems and the things that you have called for yourself. Go to 14, it said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep, and I am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down for my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. You see, folks, Pastor Boone and Pastor Moore, as you well know, are not your average person. Let me tell you, they work hard to reach into your life and resurrect dead dreams and dead hopes and to help you heal hurts. That's what he did for me. That's what Brother Pastor Moore did for me. He helped me to realize that some things that in my life, I didn't need to be that way because I had sat in complacency so long. But then the realization is that I had a relationship, but I didn't have a relationship with God. And he helped me to realize that, that I needed to, to have that relationship in my heart for myself. Not because someone else told me I had to have one. Not because someone else told me that I needed to pray every day. Not because someone else told me that I needed to fast and to read His Word. But because it, God requires that we communicate and, and be with Him. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Simply, Jesus is the way. The ultimate goal that we have, the ultimate goal, is we want to spend an eternity with him. But not just ourselves. We want to take as many with us as we can. He died so that I could live. That's why it's so important that we make our calling and our election sure. If we died tomorrow and we went before the judgment seat, all the beauty and the grandeur of heaven this hit me really hard the other day. I was thinking about a friend of mine that just turned and walked away. And he wasn't interested in a relationship or even going to church anymore. And I thought, we grew up together. I'm 42 years old. We grew up together. We were in the same church. He went to Bible college. He got a Bible college degree. He pastored a church. And he turned and he walked away. Complacency had creeped up in his spirit. And he decided that it wasn't necessary. And the thought occurred to me. I think Brother Thornhill, I mentioned that to you a few weeks ago. Can you imagine, Pastor Moore, can you imagine living your entire life for the Lord and then you decide to turn and walk away? And the trumpet sounds... And who do we have to blame for that? 
I have a little video I want to show you. This young man is, depicts an awesome picture as Sarai's getting that ready. And I'm getting close to being done here. I know this is heavy, but sometimes it's got to be said. Sometimes we have to have a little nudge, have to have a little shake in the foundation to wake us up. It's kind of like if you've ever drove in a long distance or driven a long distance, and you get really sleepy in the car, and you, you doze off, and then you wake up. Meh. Thankful that somebody put that stuff there to wake you up. Let's just watch this video and then uh, have a few more comments for you. It's going to be awesome. It's over now. There's no more purpose for my lungs because I'm not breathing. If I thought that I was still alive, then I think I was dreaming. I just left the earth. My soul escaped my body now. I'm dead. And I'm rising into the heavens to find out what lies ahead. This life is over. And my time is done on earth. There's no more stressing. I'm about to meet the one that gave me all my life and blessings. Now it's time to hear his voice. And it's time to feel his embrace. And it's that time to meet my God. And now it's time to see his face. I'm at the gate. And I don't want to wait. I want to see my savior. I'm going to feel his presence. Have his safety and base in his favor wait they open up the gates and sunlight dances through the entrance if I was alive I'd pass out from the beauty of his presence I can sense him all around me I can feel him every place he's here I feel it but that's not enough I want to see his face they close the gate as I walk in now any memories are useless any earthly love is worthless because no other can produce this so much color so much light and wind and sun and love and music so much happiness God loves us and this paradise can prove it oh where's he at though I just want to see his face I'll be around it and I'm walking on the streets of gold but I ain't getting my crown yet wait I feel something I turn around and I catch eyes with his and I've never seen him before but I still know who it is right now I'm face to face with Jesus looking God right in the eye Immediately I bowed, and if I was alive, I would have cried. Now God was always right beside me, but I see him. I can touch him. I'll exhort him. I'm going to praise and magnify him because I love him. And I tell him, you're my king. This happiness cannot be doubled. You're my rock, my life, my ever-present help in times of trouble. And I love you. God, I love you. For eternity, I'll show you. But he looks me in the eye, and then he whispers, do I know you? I was in church every service, but he tells me church without applying what you learned is worthless. But I was a choir member. I praised through with poems and acting. But he says he checked the book of life and that my name was absent. And I'm laughing like, there must be a mistake. I just won't hear it. Then he says I praised him, but I didn't have him in my spirit. I can't bear it. Little thought I gave you praise wholeheartedly. But then he 
turns his head away and then he says depart from me I start to scream but it's too late immediately I feel the flame and I'm ashamed it's me to blame I could have stopped all of this pain life ended like this for me this ain't how I wanted to conclude uh, that's what in real life it won't be but don't let this be your future you may go to church but man you gotta live it don't be two-faced don't be hypocrites guys don't be dogs and ladies don't be loose days we ain't got no time so right now drop the games and lift your hands and let them in before it ends let's praise them while we have the chance the whole point and why i have this and you guys can get ready He died on the cross for us. This is what this is. This is the reason why we get up and we preach and we teach and we reach. It's because of the hope that something inside of you will stir and you'll be moved. The moment here in just a few minutes we're all going to come to the altar we all need it I'm not singling anybody out and when you come God's going to meet with you why don't you go ahead and all stand he's going to meet with you he has never left you he has never left you when you were hurt by someone or something, when you were sick in your body, He never left you. He's been there actively knocking on your door, saying, let me in. Let me in. Knocking on your heart's door. Let you in. Let Him in. That's why this verse means so much. Brother Meyer told me in one of our minister's training classes, and it, it just, it's, it's so awesome to hear a verse of Scripture that we've heard for years. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, my face and turn from their wicked ways, turn the act of repentance, turning. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Brother Meyer said, you know, a lot of times we scream that scripture. And he said the Lord spoke to him and said, that's not how that came about. He said, I want you to read it again, but read it with humbleness and with tears in your eyes and say, if my people which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then, 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 then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Verse 15 says, Now mine eyes shall be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. 
What I say to you tonight in closing is no more excuses. No more ignoring the door knock that you hear in your life. Because he's there and he wants to stir up inside of you the very reason that you're even here tonight. We have one opportunity to get this right, and we're talking about an eternity. And I don't want to be lazy when it comes to seeking after God because we're talking about an eternity. I don't want to be tragedy of a complacent heart or mind or spirit. We're talking about eternity. So won't you come? Won't you come tonight? If you're able to walk down here, I want you to come down here and be here. Because he thought you were worth saving. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And you were too. Past mistakes, things that happen, and circumstances. But it doesn't change who he is. Church, let's pray. I was to die for